Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. I know, it's been a while. I'm sorry about that, y'all. So much going on in my life right now. I am two days from closing on a big, beautiful dream house. And the last three months has been so much shifting and utter chaos leading to order um, and dealing with so many different unhealed traumas and working through so many significant milestones that I I needed rest and I'm still not all the way ready to come back full swing, but Corey and I had a drunk dialogue and we decided to record it and then we decided it was worthy of sharing, but we did have to make some edits. So you're going to notice me cutting in, talking about objectifiers and transcenders. That's because we were talking about three individuals um, that we have personal relationships with and so I don't ever want to expose anybody. So that's that. So if you notice that, that's all that's about. And I think it's done and over with in the first 10 minutes of the podcast. But we're going to talk about from going from freaky to foggy. We discuss um, a girlfriend versus side chick job versus fun TikTok video that we had both seen. We talk about sex being the first step from God. We share some polyamory problems. We talk about transcending sex, objectifying sex. This is this is us talking about sex, but a la the drunk dialogue. So enjoy. So on the one hand, we have transcenders who think they are above sex, maybe? Yeah. Or are trying to transcend into some kind of self-love and evolve past sex. Yep. Then we have the objectifiers who are solely about sex in such an objectifying way that it is it is completely absent of emotion. It might as well just be porn. Yeah, it's more about sensation versus connection. And on the other hand, with the transcenders, it's about a connection without the intimacy and sex. Does that kind of make sense? And I think they truly want connection with other people, but it's going to be lacking that dimension of eroticism, in my mind. Because it takes sexuality out of it. Yeah, and intimacy. Yeah, for the transcenders. Yeah, for objectifiers. It's about closeness and sensation but still not necessarily about intimacy. Do you think it's even about sensation? Because when I really think about it a little bit, I think there are some people that are not even able to fully experience the sensation because they have this 
plotted out presupposition in their mind, it's going to feel good, it's going to feel good, and I need this, and I need this, and I'm going to like this, and I'm going to like this, that I sometimes don't even know if they're really experiencing the sensation. I think they're experiencing needs met, goal met, mission accomplished. Okay, so when I say sensation, I mean the... Just the, the pure physicality. The pure physicality, desire, you know, thrill of doing something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. But does that make sense what I mean? Like if you're so goal-oriented, you're orgasm-oriented, it's all about attaining a goal, it's about a mission impossible, it's about just feeling the feel. Are they really feeling it, though? Or is it just like a superficial, like, felt sensation of uh, that friction felt good climax? I believe that they believe that. So, therefore, yes, I, I do believe that. That it is about sensation for them. Because that's what they believe. It is all about sensation. Yeah. With no emotion. Mm-hmm. Definitely no spirituality. Yep. And then, are you accounting for the mental and the social component of it as well. It's just the sexual component of it. Mm -hmm. Just the sexual physical. Yeah. So you you have the one hand where it's... Spiritual, emotional, but not sexual or physical. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you've got where it's... Just physical. Physical and and sexual, sexual, but but not spiritual. Spiritual. Right. So how do you remedy that? How do you remedy two completely separate, segregated idealizations of sex, of, of relationship, of what is it? What do you even call that? How do you even compare the two and categorize them and call them something the same? I, I would call it an unbalanced life, basically. Right, because it's, because not, it's not multidimensional. Exactly. So it's not erotic. And therefore, it is lacking. Yep, so... Okay, but who are we to say what is lacking? That's what people will say. Yes. I'm a fucking erotic expert, that's why. Okay. And, and maybe they're not lacking. But I would, I would question... Maybe they... Oh, let me rephrase. They believe they're not lacking. And so, how do you convince somebody that believes they're cup runneth over when it might actually not. Yeah, it might just be a half full cup. Exactly. <laughs> or maybe that puddle of water on the ground is because your cup's leaking a little. <laughs> you know? I like it. It's like a leaky sippy cup. Yeah. Okay. So how do you remedy that, my love? Sex. Sex. You have sex with the people who don't have an understanding of sex. That's the quick answer. So the the expanded answer would be... You know, wait, I want to back up just for a minute to add to that, is that's exactly what I saw when I saw his post. I was like, motherfucker needs to get laid. I believe that during sex, you can have someone's undevoted attention. Yeah. Yeah, you can have worship in you sex. You can have... Well, not only that, but I think you will have their undevoted attention. If you're doing it right. You can take that person, and I think that is their most vulnerable state. 
to where you can guide them and show them how that looks. How that looks. What do you mean? How a fully integrated experience experience looks. So, if sex is the tool that is to be used, so what you're doing for the person that thinks they are transcendent above sex, they're beyond sex. They don't need sex anymore. You show them sex in a way that what reminds them why they need it? And can show them a very spiritual and erotic experience. And the person that objectifies sex and maybe abuses it and exploits yeah. it, you can show them sex in a new under a new lens where it penetrates beyond just that yes. dimension. Yes, you can take it more to a gentle for the person who objectifies. So they sex, need a sex teacher. So for the person who objectifies sex, you take them to a more lovemaking experience, quote unquote, but still have the erotic, physical, some raw type. You integrate all of it. Whereas on the emotional group of people, you show them how you can make it more integrated and do you, full. Do you see... What I see is that these people have compartmentalized. Yes. They've compartmentalized love from sex, mm -hmm. from spirituality, and... That is going to make you feel like nothing matters. That is going to make you feel isolated. That's going to make you feel excluded. That's also going to make you feel like you might not understand sex. Yes. And if you don't understand sex, why would you mess with it? Mm -hmm. Maybe all your experiences with it have been bad. And so you don't even want to examine them to see why they were bad. But you're just willing to just throw them in the closet throw sex in the closet. Yeah, or maybe they got burned by it, you know? Yeah. And... It needs more. Okay, that's what she said. Needs more. So, I just would like to say for the record, I'm not interested in facilitating this instruction by any means. That would require too much of my time and energy that I'm just not interested in investing. I don't care what the price is. But I think that's a good idea. Or could they be helped in a way in where a teacher is not necessarily the facilitator, but is the matchmaker in helping you find somebody who will fit that prerequisite that lesson, it still sounds like you're fucking soliciting sex, doesn't it? But honestly, god damn it, that's why they fucking made it illegal to sell it. You know that. You saw my TikTok. But the reason they made it illegal to sell it is because it makes you feel complete. Like if you fully get into, because, so, let me expand on that. 
there are people who invest time into understanding the appeal behind the commodities that are marketed, correct? In an economic society, there are people who take the time to research and obtain data and produce studies over the effects and the influences and the desires and the wants of individual uh, uh, products or services that are available to the general public to understand why a person wants that particular product or service, how it benefits their life, right? There's a, there's a psychological component of this. There's an economic component of this. There's probably even a political component of this, right? In understanding purchasing behaviors, consumption behaviors, right? So if someone were to take time to invest and study whoa, wait, they already have the benefits of sex, and then you were able to commodize this, this uh, sex in a way that it was actually helping people, you would essentially heal everybody and then nobody would need anybody else. And then you would teach people how to effectively have amazing sex so then nobody would be interested in anything else other than paying the bill so I can get home and have sex. So you just, they have already done that. I'm just explaining why I understand it now. Like, I understand why. This is why. Because it's free and because it's healing and because if people figure it all out, especially at a young age, how are we ever going to market anything else, especially the things that would cure the deficiency of this understanding That's not and what practice? I'm about, Sorry. Though. That's where I wanted to finish. That's what I'm talking about is they, they've tried to do this. The sex toy industry but they've tried to individualize it i don't know that that was the intent but that was certainly what was accomplished trying to make it safer safer from pregnancy safer from stis and which is leading to less people having sex you've got porn you've got sex toys what do you need right well both of those individual products and services are lacking the multifaceted dimensions for eroticism though so that's why people are still feeling unsatisfied either spiritually or sexually or physically or emotionally or socially because if you're encouraging people to get this satisfaction on their own because it's safer then their social skills are lacking in all of the other areas in which are necessary in order to maintain healthy relationships. But I'm going to pull it back a little bit further and tell you that the powers that be, the system, the government, everyone that wants us divided, this is beneficial to them to continue this kind of cycle because... If we have relationship skills, we also have critical thinking skills. If we have emotion entangled in all the dimensions of our life, then we're going to expect more out of all of the dimensions of our life, which includes our political dimension. And then we might start, like, expecting, I don't know, people to act with love and morality versus, you know, operating in a transactional economic way. But anyway, that's a big rabbit hole. Essentially, divide us fuck with us, screw with our ability to have healthy relationships, to implement and integrate all of the dimensions of life into eroticism, into our relationship lives, and keep us divided so we're easier to control and conquer. So, going back to your comments about you not being interested 
and something like that and teaching people. If we were ever to go that direction and incorporate additional people, people in isn't marriage, that what I'd be doing anyway? Yeah, you would you would be educating them. We all would be because we you'd be getting be to know them. Because we're always informing people in intimate relationships just by the way we engage and interact with them. Exactly. That's just that, that's inevitable. And so It's inevitable. I mean, okay, so I guess in a personal proximal intimate relationship, I would be willing to obviously be a teacher of my own ways. But I'm just saying. But that being said, I don't know that that's the cure-all because we have no experience in that. And so it's just hypothetical. I don't know. Have I taught you anything with my moves? Well, I'm, but what I'm saying is whether or not sex is the actual solution to these two dilemmas we have. Sex may be the answer to the dilemma, but there must be contextual caveats for that sex. Right? So on the one side where you have the objectifiers, sex would have to be introduced in a completely different way than those who have transcended sex. Yes, agreed. And I don't know how that right way is. I, I mean... So, well, let's think about this. So, in thinking about the objectifier stance, if I look at one in particular case of the way that I know an individual looked at his wife, perceived his wife, was aware of his wife, and attended to his wife, I would say that he had a hard time integrating the roles that he viewed her taking up. Wife, mother. He had so many programs opposing his attempt at that integration that he ended up thinking that if I want dirty, raw, carnal sex, I can never ask of that of my wife. Therefore, I must go outside of my marriage, which he did countless times, including t paying for it and essentially keeping it separate. Because once his wife started popping out babies, he couldn't see her the same. And I think that's the case for a lot of men because now they're in the mother archetype. And when I think of the mother archetype, I think of my own mom. And how many people can't even have their parents' name brought up within hours before they're engaging in sex because they're like, now I'm thinking about my mom having sex. And I'm like, why don't you have any control over your thoughts? You can talk about my mom and dad, and in five minutes, I can still go back to sex. It's not impacting me that way. But there's this program that says even the hint of certain topics can fuck with everything, right? No, I can't think about it. Now, do I understand being triggered out of a mood and having to transition into a mood, right? Like, I talk about mommy mode all the time, obviously. But I also can just tell myself, too, like, if I want to fast-forward mommy mode, which I've done before, I can. I can activate that. Okay, anyway, so rounding back, the programs essentially condone the compartmentalizations that are created and say things like you can't have these thoughts when in the presence of your children because that means this like if I'm thinking about fucking my husband while I'm sitting down to lunch with my kids people would say that's wrong of you how dare you even hold that thought while you're in the presence of your children but my thoughts aren't my actions now this idea 
that our thoughts can't infiltrate our moments. I mean, that gets into thought police, right? And I want to just kind of park that over on the side as a topic we can come back to. But so the problem for this person was that he couldn't reintegrate after he compartmentalized these roles. This is mommy. This is wife. But even a lot of men have another issue in compartmentalizing wife from girlfriend. There's two different roles. And to make that integration, even though I'm married to that person, you still have this expectation of this kind of dynamic. Now you move into wife, you're fighting against what was lost because how many women jump into a wife role and they completely change? Everything changes. All the roles change and you don't even get a memo. Now you're a mom on top of it. Now the rules change even more so. But all of the rules change. Why? Probably not because all of these couples sat down and communicated that rules needed to change. More so because all of these people are just reproducing all of the other bullshit that they've been taught that have been programmed to everybody that this is how we differentiate these roles. And so he's facing this problem was he can't integrate. His programs tell him compartmentalize, compartmentalize, compartmentalize. This role cannot be perceived this way. This role cannot be perceived this way. This role cannot be perceived this way. I think that goes back to that TikTok video you shared with me tonight about how some men view their significant others as a job as a job yeah and i can relate to that and i related to creating that environment yeah no i didn't i didn't think he was 100 percent accurate and i don't Mm -mm. fully agree with him but he made some valid points there were some valid points there and so when you have that you come home and yeah i can see how people have that dynamic where there's no freaky going on there You know what I mean? To bring a little bit more context. So the guy was talking about on this video that there's a difference between a girlfriend and a side chick, chick, basically. And that the girlfriend is like a full-time job and the side chick is fun. The side chick is where he can get pleasure. The girlfriend is like, he's worked all day. He comes home. There's a new job. She's making all these demands, filing all these complaints. You know, talking about how you didn't do this fast enough, da-da-da-da-da. It feels like a job. And I was like... I instantly was like, oh, 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 I've done that. I've watched my mom do that too. You know, I've been that person, not just with you either, right? Like I have fulfilled that role very well in the past where, yeah, and that's a program. And that's one of the programs I'm talking about. It's like we transition from girlfriend to wife to mother. There's certain rules that we're supposed to abide by. There's certain actions and behaviors you're no longer supposed to practice because these transitions are also like considered growth spurts and where you're expected to mature into something higher which means you're still not doing that but like what it's really doing is taking you from freaky to fucking foggy if you ask me Mm -hmm. right and so that was the complaint of that guy was that you know the side chicks without the commitment without the roles Mm-hmm. It's not, I don't even think it's necessarily the commitment. I think it's the roles we attach to the commitment. Is 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 like a fucking job, so why do I want it? 
And so that's why men will go outside of that relationship to seek the fun, and that fun just so happens to be sex, because let's be honest, when most people commit in a relationship, the sex does decrease. Like, studies have shown that time and time again. I mean, except for us, but we're special. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the problem with that, is the compartmentalization. But then again, you go to the other side and compartmentalization is still the problem. And it's people thinking that sexuality and spirituality need to be opposed or that one needs to be elevated above the other. And the one that's elevated is, duh, spirituality, because I guess that's a closer step to God. But I would argue sex is the first step from God. So what are we doing with that? Because sex leads to... Conception, creation, another life, if, you know, done with a male-female component of fertile people. But I would say that even without... You're still creating a connection. You're You're creating creating something. You're creating a new experience. Mm -hmm. And so how can we even try and place these dimensions on a hierarchy? You can't. You can't. But people need to. They're programmed to. I remember my dad when I was younger talking about keeping four areas of your life balanced and you've gone to the five dimensions which is very similar to what he talked about but the important part i think to get from all of that is that they all need to be in balance and i like how you just put me and your dad on the same playing field and complimented both of our ideas together anyway that was funny I feel like that was sarcastic. I feel like I'm being a really big person and being able to accept that and not react to it. Don't compare me to your dad, you know, Beatrice would say. Well, no, but it's... But yeah, balance. Anyway, but they all need to be in balance. And what I feel like is both of the categories we've talked about, they're not in balance. Uh Uh-uh. They're, you know... Arranged hierarchically. Exactly. And so when you have things out of balance, then, yeah, you find unhappiness in your life because one area is consuming more of your time than other areas. And so I find in my life that when I can keep all of those in fairly good balance, things are really good. What happens to, though, when you're in that mentality of thinking that spirituality transcends sexuality, that it's higher than, that it's somehow closer to God, don't you still have to be hyper fixated on maintaining that intentional, like, acknowledgement? Like, do you know what I mean? Because what happens because I think this is normal for everybody, if little sexual thoughts all of a sudden creep into your mind. What do you have to do to battle against those thoughts when you're convincing yourself that you've transcended that? What do you do when sex creeps into your transcendent uh, higher consciousness? I mean, what kind of wrestling takes place? What what kind of questions are you asking of yourself when these feelings are creeping in, when, when these ideas or fantasies creep in, when you're flooded with images or sensations or lingerings of missing something like fucking? Like, what kind of extended energy do you have to put into wrestling against that? I, 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 do you question yourself? Like, whoa, I just had that cr- thought creep in, and I'm over here thinking... 
I don't need that. Is that a sign that maybe you do? Or is that a sign that you're a failure? Or is that just a temptation being given to you by the unit? Like, I want to know the process around that. Well, what happens every fucking full moon? All of a sudden, he's got all these urges and feelings. And he tries to validate them with God's word. And, like, somehow he was moved by the Spirit. But it's like if it doesn't transpire the way he wants to and he doesn't get the desired outcome, then suddenly he's retracting everything. And... And, and and somehow trying to, like, re-coordinate the justification around something completely different. Anyway, and it's just like, what... I would think that's a lot of energy to think that you're above sex, is all I'm saying. It's like, how do you handle that? Because I am satisfied, and we have a lot of sex. And even so, I still am, like, on days where I'm, like mad at you or I'm upset or I'm in a funk or I'm just not thinking about sex and sex appears and I can't imagine looking at that like I need to transcend that versus me going I need to hear what that's saying to me sometimes so two comments I'm going to make about that one the people who are trying to transcend sex I believe I believe that's why we get horny. It's our it's it's our way of trying to balance back out. It's right, because I got of, mad horny when I was single and celibate, yeah. even. Yeah, and then you get short tempered. Life is not you're not happy. Right. So then a quick masturbation session, and for a few days you're good. Yeah, but it doesn't really fix it. No, because it's just it's just physiological a, relief. Yeah, it's not. It's not point I was going to make, but I can't remember it now. Transcending sex. Yeah, I know. It was something slightly different. You speak in paragraphs, and I usually try to remember well, all I'm the points. I am in Enneagram 5. Yes, we speak in paragraphs. But all I'm saying is sometimes I, I can't remember all the points I think up along the way. I recommend you take notes next time. I don't time. have a pen or a piece of paper here. And yet, I always have pen this and paper. This podcast recording was scheduled last minute. I didn't have time to prepare. But that makes the best podcast. It's always good shit with you. Okay. And yes, I have been drinking, just for the record. Oh my god, someone asked that on my TikTok. Yeah, I know. Is he drunk? What the fuck does that matter? Yes, he is. But still, he's brilliant even when he's drunk. So... My premise is that freedom is love. People just say the word freedom, but what they're really talking about is love. But you're saying that even the very idea of monogamy... Is not freedom. Is not freedom. And what people are calling for is not freedom. What they're calling for... What they're calling... What the citizens are calling for is a dependent relationship. A codependent relationship. And what the politicians are calling for is control. Yes. Okay. Monogamy is not predicated on freedom. No. No. I agree with you. Theoretically speaking, that is exactly right. No. There is a lot of hurdles to go through for that one. I mean, like, you really have to be deconstructed and, for the lack of a better word, woke to be able to accept that. That monogamy is not freedom. Exactly. And given our own personal experiences, that's a very, it's very challenging. It is because, like, so for me, 
I can get on board with the idea of you sharing me and seeing how that's liberating. But when it comes to me sharing you, all I get wrapped up in is fear. And I and I still have fear on that. I just think that I'm in a different place than you are. Yes. I still have the fears. I'm not I'm not that woke. I mean, we've experienced that. And so I some of that fear is been resolved because we survived it. But ultimately what people are asking for is not freedom either. What they're just asking for comfort. Well, and I wouldn't say everybody's even claiming to ask for freedom. I mean, you have half the country that are compromising freedom right now. Well, no, they're autonomy, agency. No, they want free will. They, they'll flat out acknowledge that they want control. They want control. Government control. They want the government to control everything. They want government to fix that. I mean, that's what socialism is. And they're not even trying to sugarcoat that anymore. So, pause for a minute. We take that ideal. Half of the population will say, well, we're just estimating. So, this isn't statistically accurate. It's not scientifically claimed. But half of the population admittedly wants the government to take control why? Fear. Of? Uh, lack. Or having to take personal responsibility. Well, yeah. The, when we want someone else to be in control, essentially what we're saying is we want someone else to be responsible. Yeah, that's true. But we can't, okay, we can't change any of that. No, I just, I think it should be acknowledged. Yeah, I agree, but we're called to love like Jesus loved and therefore have the freedom that Jesus had or promote that. And so how do we do that with in our own lives, within our own communities? And that's really what we can have an effect on. And acknowledging that promoting freedom is actually promoting love. Yeah. I, okay, so just a theory, a real quick one. We don't need to validate it or not, but maybe it's easier to use the word freedom than love because it sounds like it has strength. But if we really get into the etymology of, of what love is, it is free. It is freely given. It is freely receive it, received. It is free... Outside of proximity, boundary, border, walls, fences. But it's hard to get people to jump on board with the idea that, like, you should expect love to come from your government. But rather, you can turn around and say, well, then I expect freedom and rights from my government. Which trips us up because if rights are anything worthy of anything unalienable, that means they are not derived from the government in the first place. So I, one thing I think I want to clarify or expand on maybe is that 
okay, f love is freely given and love is freely received, but are we asking that just because we give love or maybe we expect to receive it, is there an expectation there that just because I give it, it has to be received? Does that make sense? Well, if I expect freedom, is someone obligated to give it to me? I just want to pose it that way. Well, that's, I mean, yeah. that's where yeah. I was going with yeah. that. Okay, if I love you and I give you love, are you obligated to receive it? Mm, I'm not obligated. Okay, so now, if you expect love from me, am I obligated to give it? No. Okay, same can be said, and I think that's where we're getting caught up with the government. We feel we are obligated to be given freedom. We expect freedom, but does that mean the government is obligated to give it? I need ice for that whiskey. <laughs> hmm, how do I want to answer this? Watching you pour that Jack Daniels Tennessee fire. We totally should, like, ask them for advertising money. Fuck. I've been trying to get Jack Daniels to sponsor me since I worked at the bar, okay? It's just not happening. So, the simplistic answer is no. Right? And I think that's, that's the because point. Because nothing is obligatory. We can't make love or freedom an obligation. And so I think that's where everybody's getting caught up because I can make the same, I can ask the same question in regards to the liberal side on, so they, they are in essence expecting the government to love everyone. Because if it's freedom, you know, they, they want the government to take care of everybody and show compassion to everybody. And love equals yeah. financial, economic support. And so, I can ask the same question. Just because they expect that, does that mean the government is obligated to give it? So, it's funny that you propose this complex contextual concept. Because earlier today, I was thinking about how people compartmentalize what they expect of politicians versus what they expect of their religious leaders. For those who follow religious leaders and for those who are caught up in that whole complex of leaders in general. And that people will say... I don't expect my politicians to be moral or ethical. And so they compartmentalize, right? Because my question is always like, why would you vote for somebody that you know doesn't have the same values and standards as you do or follow the same principles as you do or that you desire in a ruling nation? Like, why would you vote for somebody who you know might actually be opposed to those ethics or morals? And people are able to compartmentalize their government, their politics from relationship. But aren't we creating a relationship with our government if we're making 
sacrifices in the first place and then turning around and creating an expectation around obligation. So yes, yes, we are, but you wouldn't be content with those same rules of relationship in your personal intimate lives. But I think people are though. I was just thinking about that as you were talking. I think that's what relationships are coming to. We want relationships to be controlled. We want relationships to have certain parameters and expectations around them. And to a certain extent, I think even liberals are, are stuck on this whole monogamy principle. What do you mean? So liberals want the government to... They want a relationship. Like the government needs to take care of its family, which is the yeah. whole country, right? And yeah. it has to be loyal. And it has to be equal. And it has to be fair. Yeah. Okay. And well, that's essentially monogamy, I think, in that you have to be loyal to this one person, this one principle, and. Oh, my God. It's like the big sister watching the little brother scenario. We turn around, and what our expectation is is that we are all going to be treated the same, just as we would expect our parents to treat us the same. But now maybe we're realizing that, or I am anyway, our parents don't all treat all the children the same. And I can say that both looking at a fully aware perspective of my own relationships within my own, but the way that I parent as well. And that's a truity. There's no ifs, ands, or buts around that. People parent each child differently. Mm-hmm. There's, and, and, and there's no accounting for it. Mm-hmm. It just happens. Yep. Right? And the reason we say it happens is because... This relationship is evolving in a different context than that relationship did. And your relationship with me taught me how to interact with the following relationship in a way that would be more beneficial. Like my conflicts with you taught me how to avoid the conflicts with this person. Mm -hmm. So this relationship is going to be different because of my experience with you And you're asking me to take responsibility for it, but I'm over here like, but you were a participant in that change. Mm -hmm. And so what we're expecting from our government is not that. We're expecting our government to parent us the same way for every kid. Mm -hmm. And so what is it the Roger always says about his kids and fairness and equality? Fairness, uh... Fair is not always equal. Fair is not always equal. And I, to a certain extent, agree with that. Uh, Totally. Sentiment. Because the other thing we're not taking into account is our children each have different needs. Yeah. And so we can see that with our kids, but I think we discredit that as we grow older. and And when we have that, and we grow a relationship with the government whomever yeah we do we start building expectations into relationships exactly even marriages yes which is probably why we have 50 some percent divorce rates and so since i've been drinking 
and talking about polyamory. The more the merrier is the general rule that we've always seen to be instilled throughout all of the different programs. But you don't fully believe that. <sighs> That's just because I'm a mother of five. <laughs> and that is a lot. That is a huge spiritual, emotional, but, okay. psychological responsibility that needs to be taken seriously. And so all I want to say is... I love my kids, but I acknowledge the responsibility entwined in having a relationship with them. Okay, so I'm gonna push back a little you bit. You push that. back, baby. Because push it real good. <sighs> so what I'm gonna say is you say we have to retard ourselves down to their level. It's a di- it's yes. But I don't it's say simplistic. that in a condescending way. Yes, I'm trying to I condescend get. children, but let's be real. They're not cognitively developed until 25. But I would argue that they are more fully integrated than we are as adults. They so are. maybe they have to retard themselves for us. That's a good point, and I appreciate you <laughs> making it. But yeah, totally. Because like, what I believe is that children come from a space closer to God than we are now. Meaning, before you enter this life, I think you was with God. And children have that lingering. I remember bits and pieces from my own life. And I'm sure a lot of people do. Where they just felt this general understanding of their existence before they could even cognitively understand what that even meant. But they just, for a minute... Somewhere as a child, we were like, oh, yeah, God, I remember this part you were telling me about. Well, I just don't think society's fucked them up yet. But I would say that the younger the child, the more... I think that's why there's that. The more, the better understanding of love that they have. Right. And that's why you see the countless returns within the Bible, that rhetoric pointing to to have that childlike mind. Mm-hmm. Because a childlike mind is both confident, mm-hmm. but not conceited. Confident, not arrogant. But, and not arrogant, but curious. Yeah. Like, feed me with your knowledge. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're supposed to be. But instead what we do is we walk around because we're adults. We know everything. Don't we hate it when kids try and act like we, they know everything? Mm-hmm. And we're over here like, baby girl... I don't know everything yet. And, and our argument against them is the exact thing they're showing us. Yes. <laughs> the With arrogance. The arrogance. <laughs> Consciousness is confident and curious at the same time. Yep. They're not opposing measures. They are collaborative measures. I, uh, I had a... Damn it. I fucking hate when you talk too much because... I lose my train of thought. I was okay, all of these years I've been doing this podcasting, you tell me, I don't talk too much. It's your podcast. I'm trying to be and nice. And here you come. I'm trying to be nice. Here you come. Here you come on the 12th of August telling me I talk too much. Because I've been drinking. Yeah. Anyway. Conclude and loop. 
Sure. Signing out. My conclusion was this. Sometimes I do want to influence people. Cause bitch, I'm I'm influenceable. The influential. I like influenceable better. I'm so glad I decided to record this. <laughs> I am influenceable!